Saints, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 10 of the Blackhawks Raycast. Coming to you live from the Puck Hockey Studios and brought to you by Puck Hockey. P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y, our founding and official sponsor since 2017. Head over to PuckHockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com, and check out the latest in hockey-themed apparel and gear, including the exclusive rink line. This is Puck Hockey. And the exclusive rink line, the, the hats, the T-shirts, the baseball sleeves, the hoodies. Yes, all that. And a bag of chips, as they say, as the kids say. I am your host, John Jekyll, better known across the interwebs as JJ or that Jekyll guy. With me tonight are the usual suspects minus Ray Napientech, but we have with us the blogger to be named later and the uh, the uncrowned, but uh, definitely uh, crowned at the same time, workhorse of the Rink Chicago chapter, Sean Fitzgerald, also known as Sean Goldstein. Good evening. Thank you. Uh, very excited to be here on a exciting day. Uh, I always wear a different hat. So today's hat is uh, newest to my collection. It is a new era Cubs with a gold C and the Notre Dame logo on the side. Um, I was at the Cubs game on Monday, Ooh. which was very uh, a cathartic experience. Um, and I think they had a lot of colleges um, none of the Wisconsin people would be happy. There was no Wisconsin hats, but other colleges. So um, happy to be here. Happy to talk Hawks, but wearing the Cubs tonight. You've just uh, taken all the air out of Mario Tirabasi, who no doubt is listening to us as he prepares to watch. Or He's a Brewers fan anyways. It doesn't matter. That's right. And joining us also from uh, the East Coast, from New England, um, our friend Andy Campbell. Andy, how are you, sir? Doing well. Good to see you all again and uh, ready to talk Hawks, ready to talk big trade day today. A lot of action. They're playing tonight and um, a lot of movement, a lot of excitement going on. here. Yes. I think uh, Stan Bowman um, must have must have gotten wind that we had a rink cast rolling tonight and decided to, to uh, make pro- probably the biggest trade of the year thus far. Um, we're going to unpack that one. We're going to also look at the, uh, the, the now uh, legendary Benny Hinostroza trade. Um, and I use that, uh, that modifier applying to both the player and the trade. Um, and we'll, we'll unpack that. And then we'll talk about, you know, what it, what it means for the, uh, the trade deadline um, and the rest of the Hawks season. Um, so, yeah, today the Hawks shipped off uh, Lucas Walmark, um, who had not been in Chicago for terribly long. Um, he is a center slash forward, um, sort of a utility guy. Um, and then they also sent along Lucas Carlson, who's one of those uh, young defensemen who uh, I think some people thought he might have had a future in Chicago. I personally never saw him as more than, say, a number seven defenseman on a good team. Um, they sent those guys to Florida, to uh, Bill Zito and Joel Quinville, and they got back a, a pretty hefty return um, in uh, defenseman Riley Stillman and forward, and I forget his first name now, Connolly. Brent. Brent, B-R-E-N-T, Brent Connolly. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was Henrik Borgstrom was the return. And, and a seventh-round pick. Uh, JJ is frozen. So that was the, the return um, for today's deal. Andy, what do you think? And, uh, um, sorry, oh. go ahead, John. <laughs> 
He's back. Um, back. So, yeah, I was just just catching up here technologically. Um, So, uh, yeah, Henrik Borstrom, seventh-round pick. Connolly, the the player to be named later, and um, also um, Riley Stillman. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to ask you guys. I'm going to put it to you guys what you guys think, and and, uh, we'll start with Sean. Okay. Um, I really like the deal. Um, Stan Bowman weaponized his LTIR space a little bit, um, getting uh, Brett Connolly in the deal. Um, he's got 3.25 million for the next year plus. So he's got two years of that cap hit. Uh, Riley Stillman's they're young. All the players in this deal are younger, um, which is good. And basically the Hawks didn't give up anything really of value. Lucas Walmart cleared waivers. He was on a one-year deal. Lucas Carlson, like John said, was probably a seventh defenseman. I, um, it also meets the quota Stan Bowman loves former first round picks. He loves acquiring them um, talent over what their playing status has been. So Henrik Borgstrom is somebody to um, maybe get excited about. He's playing in Finland this year. So hopefully the European scouts have uh, gotten their eyes on him, And that's why he was included in the deal. I, think, uh, I really like the European scouts and what they have to think. I mean, Dominic Kubelik was scouted by the European scouts and that's how we got him. Um, other such, I mean, Artemi Panarin, a lot of people were after him, but he was still scouted by them. Even players who didn't pan out in Chicago, but are still playing in the NHL, Michael Kempney, Jan Ruda. So I really like the European scouts, but I like this deal. It's, it's lottery tickets. It's young players. It fits in with the, the one-year deal guys. We're going to trade them for lottery tickets and hopefully rebuild and build towards something in the future. So I like it. Yeah. Andy. Yeah, no, no risk, high reward scenario here. I mean, I Walmart, I mean, I think the average Chicago Blackhawk fan right now is probably going, oh, yeah, that guy. Remember when we signed him? I mean, I, he's just kind of a non-factor here. Um, didn't do a whole lot. Um, not that he's a bad hockey player, but clearly didn't fit in. Carlson, same kind of deal, easily forgotten, and with so many young defensemen, younger defensemen, not part of the plan. You know, you got Connolly, a guy, another former first round draft pick. I can't say I'm totally thrilled about the three and a half for the next two years, but, you know, he is seasoned in some sense. You know, he's played a lot of hockey. The other thing to think about, too, here is, you know, they just got, they just gave up two players that weren't part of their plans. They added three. Connolly's contract, if he comes in and performs, you know, we are entering an expansion draft. He will not be protected. Seattle will have to hit the cap floor. Um, so that's not a terrible contract to have right. um, if that's someone who is going to move on from the Hawks. Um, you know, and, and I think, wasn't there a seventh round pick in there too, that they got, yes. they got, was, a, yeah. they got a pick. I mean, picks, any picks, any lottery tickets are great, yeah. um, which is good. Riley Stillman, the, the kind of hockey he plays, you know, he's, he's not one of these. We don't think about him in the Mitchell Bo, Boquist mode where it's like, Oh my God, you know, another young undersized puck moving defenseman. He plays hard. He plays tough. He'll see some NHL minutes. I don't know how many he'll see, you know, and then, and then the, the wild card in that, you know, it's uh, you know, the Borgstrom, the guy who had an awesome career at DU. Um, I really like Shawnee. I love your point. You know, the last two years, the Hawks have struck gold on guys that have come over at the age of 24, which is how he would come over next year. He turns 24 in August those guys that are coming over the Kubaliks and the PS suitors of the world, 24 years old with professional experience, um, a little bit more season. You're not, you know, you're not giving up on a 
20, 21 year old that so many NHL GMs do. So I like this. I mean, there's everything to gain here, nothing to lose. JJ, as you said earlier, a nothing to lose deal. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think it's a good move. You know, it's, it's not a major splash. Um, and if it doesn't work out fine, you know, I don't, you didn't lose anything here. So, yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I have, there, I have a lot of feelings about this and generally my feeling is it is a no lose deal. I, I question how high the ceiling is as far as the return. I mean, I think if Borgstrom can end up panning out as a, as a solid um, and functional third center in the NHL, this would be a win, you oh, know, yeah. because center's a, a weakness in this, in this, mm-hmm. uh, this organization, um, NHL level and um, in the pipeline. So he's got good size, 6'3", about 200 pounds. Um, you know, where I kind of differ from you guys a little bit is as far as the, uh, the, the pedigree of the European scouts, I mean, this is a guy who was playing at the university of Denver for two years before joining the Panthers in 27, 2018. Um, and, uh, so I think, I think, you know, Stan Bowman had a quote today that I'm going to come back to later on about, about what he saw when, when he watched Borstrom play at the university of Denver. Um, so I'm not sure that, that necessarily the fact that, that he's playing in Europe now equates him with like a Kubelik or a, a Dominic Cahoon or a, Artemi Panarin, as far as that goes, I think he's been a known qual- uh, known quantity to scouts here in North America for a while for, to amateur scouts anyway. Um, but I think, again, I mean, if he can become, you know, a, uh, he's known as a scorer. Uh, I, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about his two-way game, but I think if he can, um, you know, win faceoffs and if he can, you know, play with a little bit of an edge and, 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 and be responsible defensively, then maybe they've got something as far as a middle six ish or, you know, third line center. And uh, cause he is a center. So that, that's, that's, that's the real upside here. Um, Connolly, Brent Connolly, um, you know, I, I, the, the, like Andy, I agree with you. I don't think the contract's that bad really. I mean, and I know that uh, I guess Bowman told some of the beat writers that his strategy going into the deadline was to, um, you know, take on other teams, bad contracts and try to amass some futures. Well, he pretty did that here as far as Borkstrom in the seventh round pick, he amassed the futures. Um, but um, I, I don't think he took on that bad of a contract. I mean, let's look at it this way. And I was thinking about this today. I mean, Connolly um, at 3.5 million for the next two years, he scored 22, 23 goals a couple of years ago for, uh, for Florida. So I mean, Alex DeBrinkett is making six and a half million. He had 19 goals last year. So now again, he's having a great year this year. But the point is, Connolly's a guy that can put the puck in the net a little bit and contribute offensively. Um, I don't think he's a road grader style-wise. I think he's a guy who could probably use his size better. But, um, you know, um, that, and Stillman, I agree. I mean, I think he's one of those guys that um, – I think Bowman likes to bring, bring guys like this. I mean, another example of a guy like this is uh, Anton Lindholm, who we brought in from Colorado. I know Bowman's had his eye on him for a few years. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how much playing time he gets and what kind of role they give him. And maybe they're also looking at, you know, Calvin DeHaan not being around next year, who is, you know, probably their most true defensive defenseman. And maybe they think Stillman can backfill that a little bit. And I do get the sense with Connolly and Stillman is they're thinking maybe these guys 
might have, you know, a, a change of scenery and type of type of thing happen where they, they will play better here. And then there's been some um, conjecture that Connolly's going to be exposed in the expansion draft. Right. Um, and that could make some sense too. So um, it, but you know, all things considered, uh, I agree with you guys. I think it's, it's a, uh, it is a, uh, you know, no lose at minimum and maybe there's an upside to it, you know? So so let's let's pivot a little bit. I mean, what what do you guys think about what this means about the Hawks? Um, let's talk about first. Let's before we get into that, let's talk about the Henestrosa deal because I'm still scratching my head a little bit over that one. I'm not entirely sure what he was thinking, but I will say this: based upon how Henestrosa has played briefly since he's returned, is that you know maybe Henestrosa has kind of gotten the memo that he's not going to be a top six player in the NHL. And if he plays with a lot of energy and is difficult to play against, he could have a maybe a Chris Draper light type of uh, career ahead of him in Chicago. And I got to be honest with you, I think I think if he can do that, if he can do that consistently, that could be a really interesting niche for him to occupy in, in Chicago um, because he's got that speed, you know, and he's he's a little bit of a fire plug. So I'm going to throw that around to you guys. What do you what do you guys think about Vinny Henestrosa coming back? Andy. Yeah, he looked great the other night. I mean, that's exciting. You know, new number, 2-8, you know, buzzing around out there, had a nice assist. I mean, that's great. I, I don't know. You wonder, if did he demand for a trade or something? I mean, he was he was quoted. He was so excited to return, you know, back home and what it meant for his family. But, I mean, I you know, Talon didn't didn't ask much uh, to move Henestrosa. Um, that's for sure. I mean, I certainly don't think Morrison is going to pan out to be very much. So, you know, it might end up just being a guy for a guy if he can embrace a bottom six role. Um, again, another move that's low risk. I mean, his contract is up at the end of this year. So if things don't really work out, and I believe, and I, I do not know this, is it contract or no contract for your UFAs to be are still exposed for the expansion draft? Is that true? Am I reading that situation correctly? Or is I, thought that not- that, I think you're right. I think that's uh if it's still, it's still the Vegas rules. So I think you're right on that. Okay. Cause if that, um, if that is the case, that's another body that they're not going to protect. That's available. You know, I, I think it's fine to stockpile players to give an expansion team, a lot of different options to choose from um, as they're, as they're making their mix. But JJ, to your point, I mean, if he can embrace a bottom six role, if he can amend his game to be a little bit more defensive and, you know, be opportunistic at the other end of the ice when he's given the chance, um, you know, again, I mean, none of, none of these are, are big splashers. You know, none of these are going to, you know, wow the fan base. You know, they're kind of the, you know, the minor detail-oriented moves. And I don't know, but we've talked about it before. I mean, I, I, I what is it, seven or eight players in like the last five or six years that Stan has brought back for a second tour of duty. Uh, it's a requirement, uh, I think. With, with the Blackhawks and how many of those players have hit on their second tour, maybe one, and that's Brandon Saad. Um, but again, that was post cup. So they didn't win on that second tour. And he was, you know, you know, Saad did okay. I think people were still in love with the 13 and 2015 Brandon Saad. Um, and so they, they gave him a little bit more of a, of a leash when there were games when he was invisible. So I don't think they're going to hit on Strom or, uh, well, we know they didn't hit on Strom, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> so I don't think they're going to hit on Henestrosa, but you know, another body kind of whatever, you know. John, what do you think? So, Hinnestro, what I read was Hinnestroza 
Um, the general manager of the Panthers basically knew Henestrosa was going to play in Florida. And so he, he'd appeared in like six games or something minuscule. And they knew they were going to play him. So they basically called up the Blackhawks and said, do you want him? We'll take whatever in return. And, and Henestrosa is so excited just to be playing in the NHL again. Like he was, I think he was on their taxi squad. He wasn't even playing. Um, I think this move is actually like, a predecessor to another move. I think Kinnestroza is backfilling a spot that isn't open yet. Probably. Because because if yeah. it if you look at it like Kinnestroza, there really isn't a place for him right now. Um, but if they move somebody like Carl Soderberg or somebody else, like there's another s- spot in the lineup that opens up. Yeah. I will say, JJ, I agree with you and with you, Andy, that if he embraces that fire plug role, he's always had the speed. If he embraces that, then yeah, he has a niche in the NHL. He's not going to be—he's not going to be what we all thought he was coming out. And maybe he's finally embraced that. And I mean, you look at like Tyler Mott. Tyler Mott took forever to embrace it, but now he's in the NHL, played a bunch, played with Toronto and Columbus, and has a role in the NHL. You just gotta—it's find a role and be willing to embrace it and run with it. Yeah, I mean, guys, you know. It, I think you guys know this. I mean, the NHL, um, especially the lower lines in the NHL are basically chock full of guys who pumped, pumped in goals at the lower levels, you know? Um, and uh, I'll give you a really good example of a guy who, who, if he'd ever gotten this message probably could have been a really good uh, fourth line player, like an energy player. And that was Jack Skilly, you know, Skilly, you know, he was just not a terribly skilled player, but he could skate and he, and he, he was very athletic. He had, a, you know, he had an NHL body, as they say, but he, you know, he always, whenever you watch him play, he was always just kind of like playing rat hockey. He was like circling center ice, waiting for the pass for the breakaway, you know? <laughs> and he, he, I think he got a lot of chances with a lot of teams, but he always was that, that, you know, fourth line forward trying to play a first line role. And, and, uh, you know, so for a guy like Henestrosa, you know, if, if especially if, if Colleton could kind of get through to him and say, look, you could have a good career, but you've got it. You've got to really accept this role. And that, that's what it comes down to for guys like that. Guys who, who you know, scored a lot of goals like, you know, Henestrosa, you know, he's never scored that many in the USA, USHL. He was a, basically a point of game guy in the USHL, you know, but uh, um, and then one year he had 18 at Rockford and that was when all. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he scored that much at Notre Dame either. I know he played for Notre Dame his freshman year and then went to the World Championships. There. Yeah, he went like he only played there a couple. I don't know if he played two years at Notre I Dame. I think he was only there for a season. Yeah, I think he, he, he signed. Yeah, that's when they signed him, Anthony Lewis. They signed like all their Chicago kids that year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, yeah. So I think I for him because he seems like a good. Uh, you know, and he—he's he, a bowling ball, and he's—he's he's really a really speedy guy. And you know, maybe he got a niche for himself on the Hawks' lower lines. And I think the Hawks guys like that. They need guys who are tough, who create problems. You know, in those energy roles. So, um, you know, as opposed to the Zach Smiths of the world, who you know could have been that. You know, you know. Sounds like JJ just cut out. Um, yeah. He'll sure he'll be back in a little bit, which is cool. But yeah, I don't know. 
We'll see. We'll see. I mean, who knows? Maybe Henestrosa can can be around for a few years, like we talked about, embrace that role and and be an asset. We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he shouldn't be that expensive because um, he's an RFA at the end of this year. But I mean, there's not going to be a huge market. It's kind of like um, who's the uh, Anthony Declare? Uh, he could be. He's like Anthony Declare in that regard too. They, they're not going to be that expensive if he can just embrace his role. He can be fine. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go run out and buy a Vinny Hinnestrosa shirt though from the Blackhawks. No, store no, like I'm not, not gonna be hung up on him. That's for sure. No, if it was Tanner Caro, I'd be all over it. But that's another story. Or who was the other? Oh, uh, Alex Fortin. Um, oh yeah, right. you, yeah, so yeah. He was my guy for about a year and a half. Um, yep. But um, anyway, so, Red Deer. Right. Love so it. pivoting from uh, a Fortin was uh, no Alex Fortin was from um, was, it, was uh, from QM, QMJ. Oh, that's uh, right, he was. Yeah, yeah. Your dad. Anyway, so let's let's pivot away from these um, future Hall of Famers, and because I don't think that the the Hens throws a deal says much about Bowman's strategy at the trade li- deadline, but I do think today's deal does. You know that they're going to try to take on some some bigger some bigger contracts that teams are looking to get rid of and gain some futures in the process. And there was a quote from Bowman today that said that he's getting a lot of calls. And if there's a couple more deals to make, he's going to make them. Um, And my question, you know, looking at what they did, I don't think they hurt themselves as far as the potential postseason this year Uh, with this deal. I don't think they particularly helped themselves either. Um, And I guess, is this what they're going to do? What do you guys think? Is this what they're going to do leading up to the trade deadline is kind of, you know, as far as, you know, NHL assets kind of just sort of go 50-50 and maybe try to gain a couple of assets, still feels to me like they're keeping the door open to get in the playoffs and they're not going to just go into full sell mode. Andy, what do you think? I don't, you know, what will be interesting is it, it, it would seem like, and we can all speculate that Stan was on the phone about Carl Soderberg at some point with Carl Soderberg not in the lineup the last couple games. He's playing tonight. Who knows if that was a conversation that was going on with Dale Talon before the before the trade was made, or if he was in conversations with with another team. Um, he had to have been. I don't know why. You know, it's it's not as if if you are going to try to make this last push for the postseason that scratching Carl Soderberg makes any sense. Um, so Soderberg might be someone that they're still dangling out there if they could get the right return for a suitor that really starts to, you know, need something or maybe get a little bit desperate. Um, uh, you know, before the deadline. So I don't know. I'm, I, I, I know we talked about this a few weeks ago and, and Shawnee, I, you and I were in agreement on this. And so we just said, I don't really think they're going to do a whole lot. And I, this, this might be it. I don't know if there'll be more, you know, I think it's the Soder, the Soderberg one is the one Soderberg and Yanmark are the two. Yeah. Uh, you know, ever there's all these, you know, maybe some Twitter rumors about Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith is not going to waive his trade clause. I, I, I do not believe he will do that. Um, at all. I think he's very happy where he is. I just, I just don't see it. Um, those two are the ones that, that I would eye as potential moves and, and the one sleeper in this whole thing and, and hear me out because I know some people are going to go, Oh my God, you're crazy. And what are you saying about this? But if you can, and you can Stan Bowman, if you can move Dylan Strom. To to a willing taker in in return for a $50 gift card at an Outback Steakhouse, I'm all for it. 
I mean, and, if Bowman wants to treat himself to a nice meal, and that means we don't have to watch Dylan Strom anymore. I, that, what's wrong with that? And a I discount mean, on paper products. It could be Meredith Palmer. What is wrong with that? I don't <laughs> see anything wrong with that whatsoever. So, you know, I something to think about, something to consider. Sean, <laughs> I think the, back to Dylan Strom. Um, the realist, I, were gonna, I swear to God, Andy, I thought you were going to say $50 gift card to Applebee's. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the B. One, one restaurant away. Yeah. Sean, <laughs> tell me, yeah, right across the parking lot from La <laughs> right. um, Sean, um, what do you think about what about the Hawks draft strategy? What does this say about it? Or excuse me, that draft uh, trade deadline strategy. Sorry. Getting ahead. So, it's definitely forward thinking, um, even with acquiring Brett Connolly. He, he's still forward thinking in that maybe he can expose him in the expansion draft. So regardless of who he acquires for Soderberg or Yanmark, I think it's all going to be forward thinking. I don't think it's I don't think it's anything to make the team better this season. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he showed with that trade. Um, because I mean, Connolly's maybe a change of scenery guy, Riley, um, Stedman, Stedman is, is maybe a, a bottom pairing defenseman right now. So, and obviously Borkstrom is a future asset. So that's what I think he's, he's thinking. So if they get somebody for Carl Soderberg, if it's anybody at the NHL level, it's either somebody on an expiring contract or somebody that can expose the expansion draft along with other assets. I don't think he's, I don't think Stan's going to do what we thought he was going to do a couple of weeks ago, where he was going to trade and try to win in the same move. I, yeah. I think yeah. Steele shows that he's not going to do that. I think yeah. he's going, if he has to take NHL players back, he will, but he, he's got something in mind for them, whether it's change of scenery, making them better, exposing them in the expansion draft, or ultimately just being a placeholder until hopefully one of his draft picks pans out. So that's what I'm thinking. And I think Soderberg and Yanmark are the, are the two guys that for sure should move. I'm pushing for them to move Colin Delia, give the guy an opportunity someplace else, whether it's, whether it's you trade him, trade him now, or hopefully Seattle takes him because uh, it, it, for whatever reason, they're not going to play him over Malcolm Subban ever. And uh, Kevin Lincoln and might get every start for the rest of the year. So, yeah, as he probably should. Yep. So I think these are great comments. I, you know, going back, Andy, to your comment about Duncan Keith, I uh, really had sort of given up uh, some point in the last couple of months. I'd given up all hope of a like full on rebuild, tear down rebuild, which is what I've been pushing for for two years. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think this front office is prepared for the financial hit that it'll take, you know, over a couple of years to do that and fine, whatever. It's not my money. You know, I'm, and, I'm not managing the books. And Stan gave away no movement clauses like Applebee's gift cards. Right. Crapplebee's right. And really, <laughs> well, they're really going to be pinched. I mean, they're going to have to sell tickets next year. Well, that's what they're doing. And I'm going to come back to that too. Okay. Um, but, you know, the one, the one thing I will say, you know, they've done these two deals now with Florida. Um, you know, Bill Zito, who, you know, Bowman has a relationship with going back to his days as an agent and also his days as the assistant GM in Columbus, who was a regular trade part partner, Stan Bowman's as well. Um, the one place I could see Duncan Keith waving for is Florida uh, because of who stands the guy behind the, the, the guy with the mustache behind the bench. And uh, the fact that Florida has got a really good team and they've got the potential to go pretty deep and, now Florida has that need, 
you know, in the, in their top four with Eckbled being out. So I, I'm not saying it will happen, but there's a lot of, there's, there's a few dots connecting there and nobody, I haven't heard anything and I, to say that that's going to happen, but I, it will not surprise me hugely if there's an announcement at some point that Duncan Keith has agreed to, to waive his, you know, his no movement clause and go to Florida, you know, Q, if he has any input on it, you know, even though Keith has that funky contract with all the, you know, with, with those recapture clauses, et cetera, this is a guy who could easily play into his forties. If there's any guy in the NHL who could play into his forties, maybe diminished a little bit as he already is, but it, it's Duncan Keith just because of the, the kind of athlete he is. And yeah. I think you would say, look, let's roll the dice and do it because this is a guy I can plug in and, <clears throat> you know, can do what I want to do defensively. And as, as far as, you know, main gaps in our up and down the ice. So I'm just saying, no, um, I, and I, Gate said the same thing in our, in our rink chat this week. Too. Yeah. It, it's I one of those, know. I'll believe I, Hey, if, if, and if I was going to pick someone, it's the same, it would be the same team and the same deal. It's one of those. I believe it when I see it, it's been something I've been hoping for. A lot of Hawk fans have been hoping for, for a number of years for him to wave it and move on. But you know, they, you know, Florida's going to do something else too. I mean, they did just dump Connolly's contract. Yeah, you know, they have. They're freeing up. Money. Yeah. They're freeing up money to do something. Yeah. Right. And if they do acquire Keith, we'd have to get more money coming back because I think Keith's right. contract hit, I think it's five like and a half five, million. five and yeah. a half. Yeah. So they'd have to get something coming back. But if he's willing to waive it and Q's going to take him, why not? Right. It's an awful lot of dealing with two clubs. I, <laughs> well, I mean, I yeah. think the Hawks are only allowed to trade with Columbus, Carolina and Florida. I think that's the rules. They're the takers. And, and they have – in any of those deals, they have to reacquire a former Blackhawk under the San Bowman era. Yeah, maybe Marco Dano's out there somewhere. I mean, maybe. Know. Marco Dano. Marco Dano was another guy I was, I was briefly in love with. Just because yeah, I, I was excited about that originally too. He had that stretch of like just 10 like ungodly games for Columbus at the end of the, the previous year. And I'm like, yeah, get that guy. Yeah. And, and uh, wow, no. Um, uh, Radislav Olesh, that was another uh, – I'll see, yeah. He was another project there. The post yeah. the first cup. Jeez. Yeah. Former okay. first round picks always coming back. He, there you go. Stan loves them. Skilly for Fro Leak. Feaster. Uh, yeah. Um, that was a good trade. That was actually a really good. Oh, one. That's, that's, pro- that's probably Stan's best like reclamation first round former pick coming back. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, Andy's guy, Dylan Strom was one. That's not going to work out. Yeah. No. Um, Alex Nylander, who's doing knee lifts right now to get his knee in shape that's not going to work out i guess um, what, what, are, what would we put on the stan bowman hit list in the positive sense okay so we got we got fro league fro league Ver, the vermette trade i mean antoine vermette that's yeah, Ant, that is good but that probably might be number one and granted it, it took kane getting hurt and going get on the NTR to get it done but you know he he does he does have a small greatest hits album oh how about hansu's Hanzus yeah, was a good one. I yeah. remember <laughs> Richards. Richards was big. Yeah. You could I mean, go Johnny Oduya. Johnny no, Oduya was a nice, that was a nice deal. That yeah. And he only gave up I mean, second round picks at second or third rounders. He didn't give up anything. He didn't give a first round for Oduya. Right. That was, a, that was actually, you know, and, and honestly, I mean, yeah, I've always said that, you know, Bowman inherited the core and yeah. the core is really what won the cups, but I will always give him marks for, some nice moves there in the 2013, 2014 range there. He had, he had a few really nice moves as far as 
the complimentary guys. And you got to give them credit for that. I wouldn't call that winning a cup per yeah. se, because again, without that core, it never, it wouldn't have, none of them would have happened, but it was good, you know, good he, along he really the edges. did a nice job on those. Yeah. No, Victor Stahlberg was a nice edge guy. He was an edge guy. Like yeah. he, he was a well, salary yeah, dump that you got something for him. Yeah. A lot of guys get on stand too, because they think that he can't draft. And I think it was the one draft, the 2011 draft where it was Tara Vinen, no, Saad, it was, and, uh, or was McNeil, Dano, and Saad. Oh, McNeil, Dano. Okay. Yeah, Terravina was 2012, I think. 2012. But then no, was 2014, she- I think, was Terravina. But he's, he was but Dano and Saad, like, if if he wouldn't have given up on Dano, like, he would be playing th- – he'd be your third-line center right now. He well, that, be- that one, that one, that one will haunt me forever. That one hurts me. The Dano trade to Montreal. Especially because they gave it up for Weiss – or Weiss and um, Bill Weiss and um, Tomas Meatman Fleischman. Fleischman, man, God, that's bad. They... Translated from from German as Meatman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Shaw Shaw was a fifth round pick in 2011 or something like that. I mean, that was Shaw was a fifth fifth round pick in 2011 too. That was a really good draft. Really um, good draft. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's uh, pivot away from this. Uh, stroll down uh, Stan Bowman's. Uh, greatest hits lane if you will um i don't know where that was going that wasn't very good i should probably quit now um but let's talk for a minute i don't you know andy i don't know how serious you were about strome being traded i think we've touched on this in the past so i think i would look for that being a possibility perhaps uh before the trade deadline Uh, yeah Um, well i i think more you mentioned it before i think more a draft Entering the draft possibility. The draft, sorry. I, that's what yeah. I meant. No, I, 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 think, I think definitely that's a real possibility to move him then. Um, and I hope so. And I mean, it, I'll, I'll joke. So it will be interesting. Yeah. Would love to see that happen. Right. Um, and I think you yeah. still could get something. What if, um, what if they exposed him? Would Seattle take him? I think they might. They might. I don't know. I would tell them not to. <laughs> I mean, I, don't, Se- I just don't. Uh, yeah. If uh, Seattle took him, maybe they make a deal like Vegas did. We'll take Dylan Strom, but you also have to give us something else in addition to Dylan Strom. You know, similar to what Vegas did with uh, taking, uh, they take TVR and then we gave him Marcus Kruger and then they flipped them both to Carolina. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, as much as we, we, the, the collective rink, we are down on Dylan Strom. I, I got to think, you know, for, for especially like a, uh, an expansion team like Seattle, he's a guy with obvious offensive gifts. Now, work ethic on and off the ice, highly questionable. Mobility, highly questionable. But, you know, if they, if they want a guy that they can, you know, you know, a creative guy that they can have on, on their top, top lines, first couple of years they're in business. I don't know. Well, he'd only be on the hook for one year too. I mean, they need to hit the floor. It'd be a one year reclamation project. Right. You know, to try to see if they could resuscitate his career. Um, And then if they don't, you know, no one is the, you know, they're, they're no fools, you know, they just move. And he resigns with the Blackhawks for (laughs) one point something million. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. He'll, he'll be back. Yeah, but I don't know. It, it, it depends on I, – I don't know how the draft order works either. Like, I don't know when – or do they just submit a sheet and just say, these are the guys we want and these are who we're taking? Yeah. Um, yep. yep. Is it like – yeah. 
Well, no, I just, I, I don't know how it works. Is it like now you get to pick from this team? Now you get to pick from this team? Or do you submit a, a sheet to the NHL saying, these are the guys, this is who we want? And I don't uh, know, you know, and I don't know if like Dahan is not protected, you know, and they, and they want to make a point to stabilize their blue line. You know, I, I still think that that might be someone who yeah. might. Um, and again, I, I don't, and, and if that is the case, the Hawks might be wise at the draft to move one of those two guys, you know, I think, I think Don has, has more value, I think to some teams, oh, sure. definitely. Um, good. But the other thing is, is we're sitting here assuming that the Hawks would expose Strom. I don't know that they would. Oh. I, I think Bowman, I think Bowman likes him. He's, he's, he's I, one I of Bowman's guys. Bowman really likes him. I just, I, former third overall pick. Come on. Like the talent, the talent oh, I, is there. I really hope you do not protect him. I, I mean, I, but I, I agree with you, JJ, that might happen. Yeah. I, Bowman does really like him. You know, yeah. I, I just, yikes. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so let's, let's pivot a little bit here. Um, and let's talk about Stan Bowman a little bit because um, there was some interest, there was some interesting, uh, there was an interesting quote. Uh, Mark Lazarus tweeted it this afternoon uh, from Stan Bowman on Henrik Borgstrom. And I want to just sort of like, I want to, throw this out and as a topic of discussion, because it kind of crystallizes some things that we talk about a lot on the, on the podcast. But I think that um, I, I want to start documenting this because it's becoming too repetitive. Quote, Henrik, Borgst- Henrik Borgstrom was, quote, one of the best college players I've seen in the last 10 years, Stan Bowman said. Ooh. Quote, he seemed destined for greatness in the NHL, unquote. Now, I want to remind you, I'm going to take that we are going to go down memory, Stan Bowman memory lane here to 2018, I believe it was January ish, when Stan Bowman said uh, to, you know, he was on the record that the team's big trade deadline acquisition that season was going to be getting Dylan Secura from Northeastern University. Um, last year, he said of Ian Mitchell, we thought Ian was ready to play in the in the NHL last year. Fast forward to this year, and he's playing in the AHL. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that Ian Mitchell is going to be uh, as disappointing as Dylan Secura. I don't think he will be, actually. I think he's going to end up probably being a, at least a pretty good player. Yeah, but Stan Bowman is showing a repeated tendency to, I think, um, uh, gild the lily, so to speak, in terms of uh, you know, really hyping guys that he acquires. Um, and in some ways, I think there's an argument that he's setting them up for failure in terms of fan perception because he's building expectations so high. But then I also feel like is Stan Bowman's job basically to just rah-rah and, and spin this positive narrative no matter what happens, um, even when nothing at all has happened. I mean, Henrik Borgstrom has not played a game in Chicago yet. And yet, you know, you're, you're talking about him like he's uh, – and the other thing is, is that Bowman seems to be really fixated on how well guys play in college as, a, as really an indicator of NHL success, and it's, it's really usually not. So I want to – I just want to throw this out to you guys, get your feelings on this. I mean, you guys know that I, I'll, I try to be fair with Stan Bowman. At the same time, his – his spin tactics really are starting to get on my nerves and I know they're getting on Gates nerves. Um, and I just think, I just think that the fan base needs to start be, being more aware of this and seeing it for what it is. Go. 
Yeah. Go ahead, Johnny. Yeah. Hendrick Borgstrom played college. The last year he played college was 2017, 2018. He's played 58 games in the NHL already. I'm excited for his potential, but I don't care what he did at Denver. Like that was, that was what? Four years ago. Yeah. Four years ago, I was 180 pounds. I'm over 200 pounds now. I'm not the same guy I was four years ago. Like, Congratulations. It, like, it doesn't matter four years ago. Yeah. That's like saying in college, I could run it under five minutes in the mile, and now I can run like 10 minutes. Like, it doesn't matter. They don't equate. So that, and I think the hype, the hype machine for Stan Bowman really started to take shape when Tavo Teravine was a prospect. Uh-huh. I think and, and Tavo was actually a good prospect and actually a good player, but he hyped him to the moon yeah. to the point where when Tavo wasn't single-handedly winning games when he emerged in the NHL, you were like, is he kind of a bust? Is he not as good as we thought he was? As far as Dylan Sakura, everybody kind of bought that hype. I remember reading articles saying that they thought Dylan Sakura, other teams thought Dylan Sakura could play in the top six in the NHL at, but by his senior year at Northeastern. So Stan Bowman though, I think he is, he's, he ultimately his job is a PR guy too. Like he's the face, he's got to spin the narrative. Transparency is, is a very rare thing in sports and it's not received all that well. Um, You look at other France, you look at the the New York Rangers, they told everybody they were going to be bad and rebuild. I mean, that takes a lot of gumption and a lot of a lot of courage to say that. I, I thought that was such a smart move. I still oh, that. it's brilliant. Oh, absolutely. But, but it, it takes a lot of courage. Like, I'm not going to go honest. But it's, yes. yeah, full transparency. I, I just think that's key. I mean, I, you know, I, I guess the good thing right now is Stan Bowman hasn't thrown out too much hype about Lucas Reichel. So maybe that kid, you know, people will give him a little bit of a lifeline if he doesn't come in and wow right away. I mean, I, I really hope Stan doesn't start talking about him. But I mean, this is this is a this is a really bizarre, I don't know, like contagious issue that not contagious because it doesn't rub off, but I mean a, a chronic issue for Stan Bowman, I guess you can say. I mean, he loves his superlatives around yeah. players that he really doesn't know that much about. Um, maybe someone, I don't know, maybe a scout is feeding him info on this guy, or maybe they're just saying, look, PR is just being like, look, we need to justify the move. The public needs to know pump the tires a little bit season you know, tickets are down Let's yeah. pump the does, tires. Does, does, does he ever like look right exactly yeah right we need tickets for next year but does he ever just look at somebody and be like guys like i i can't say these things after what i did with artem and isimov so can you just let me off the hook here please talk, you know, talk about your ultimate blunders um, andy you're where you're going is is kind of where i want to take this and that is there comes a point at which your credibility is damaged you know, and, and I, I just, and, and Sean, you brought up a great thing, Tara Vinan. It did start back then. And yeah. here's the thing that's interesting. That, that was at a time when the, when the Blackhawks needed to start really thinking about the next generation. And they needed to start thinking about where, you know, that was in 2014. And that was when Jonathan Taves was taking an absolute beating in the playoffs. And I, and I think perhaps at that point, they're looking at guys like Taves and Jalmerson and Holstead saying, how much longer are these guys going to be around? And do we need to start really looking at that next generation? And, and I think that also, aside from the Brandon Sod pick, which had been, had been hailed as, the, as a big steal, 
Bowman also was suffering a little bit from the comparisons to Dale Talon, who had gotten the credit, rightly so mostly, him and Mike Smith, actually, his predecessor, for assembling that core. And I, I, think, I think that's like the chip on Bowman's shoulder is I want the world to see me as a yeah. brilliant talent, talent evaluator and acquirer. And that's why he always, when he gets these guys, and you brought up Artem Anisimov, another case in point. You, you trade for him, and what do you do? You turn on the next day and give him this massive deal with a no-movement clause oh, a year before he's, he's due. Mm-hmm. Why? So you can, you can rubber stamp and, and validate the move you just made. Yeah. And this without, is without even thought. seeing how he fits in with the team. Never skated before he did that. Right. Play a minute with the team before that extension. Right. Just I mean, just a categorical disaster. I mean, we're just a mess. I mean, I don't, that, that is inexcusable. inexcusable. And here's the problem. I, th- I think Bowman I, better start to realize that when he says these things to beat reporters and it goes out in tweets, he's giving people like us receipts. Yeah. You no. Know? And <laughs> we're going to be fair. I mean, we just spent, we just spent a good five minutes going, talking about all the great things that Stan Bowman yeah, has. Right. But we're going to, you know, but at the same time, I mean, if, if Borgstrom, ends up being, you know, the second coming of, oh, let's say Lucas Walmart. <laughs> if he, as seriously, I mean, if he ends up being a guy, you know, just a guy and never, never really becoming a player, even a third run, you know, a, a third line center, which is, a, which on a good team is a really valuable thing. Yeah. Um, if he ends up not being that is, are, you know, are these things going to come back ultimately to haunt Bowman? And, you know, the, and the bottom line is I, I do believe, because I've followed this team now for many more years than I care to admit um, on, on this broadcast. But the fans of this team, I think they've seen the highs and the lows for many years. And I, and I have a feeling that at some point, if they don't, you know, if, if, the, if they don't continue to progress after this year, people are going to remember these things and they're not going to, and you know, if Ian Mitchell struggles, et cetera, I mean, all these things can come back to haunt them. So Sean, what do you think? Yeah. Stan. Yeah. yeah. General managers and front office people, there are, there are going to be, there's receipts for everything you say. Now, if you're a public figure, if you tweet it out, if you put it on Facebook, you can't wipe that away, no matter how hard you try to do it. And people are going to call you to the carpet for it. Like ultimately Stan Bowman keeps pumping the tires of so many guys and heaven forbid Kirby doc doesn't work out or Kirby doc is not who we think he's potentially going to be. And Stan keeps pumping him and pumping him. Um, Eventually it's going to cost him his job. Like Stan Bowman is eventually he's going to be unemployed. And I don't want to go back to the days where, uh, Bill Wirtz was telling us that he couldn't put games on TV because nobody went to the arena. I don't want to be told those things. I don't want to be given that level of garbage from management in the front office. And Stan's starting to approach that transparency. I also think it's ego with him. He yeah. went to Notre Dame. He's so smart. He's smarter than all of us. He knows best. His his evaluation his rubber stamp is all we need we don't need anybody else's approval he's the one he's the one who won the three stanley cups and it's all about him yeah but i it, you know and we've said this before i mentioned this before on a podcast um in 2017 
when they lost to the Predators in four straight games when they had the best record in the Western Conference that year. Yeah, right. Stan Bowman gets up in front of a microphone and he says, microphone, he says this is absolutely below standard, yeah. inexcusable. Yeah. We will not stand for this kind of an exit right. ever again. Right. And then what followed were two straight non-playoff seasons last season, which was a non-playoff season before COVID hit. And they changed the format where the Hawks ended up having a play in series to get into the playoffs, but had the season continued, they would not have made the playoffs. And then this year, if, and when they don't make the playoffs again, Stan Bowman got up in front and talked about how a first round exit is below standards will not be tolerated. And now we're looking at a fourth straight non-playoff team. They could make it. They could. They could make it. But again, it's just kind of like, well, well, then what are we doing? And to your point, JJ, that's the receipt that I hold on to the most. And I agree. That's the one where it's like, you know, and I don't, and ultimately, Shawnee, what's going to cost him his job? I don't know if much will. I, I, I just, I mean, what? Shouldn't it, shouldn't have it happened already? Well, but also think about this. So the Blackhawks window in Chicago was 2010-09 to 15. That was when they were the hottest ticket in town. You right. couldn't touch those tickets. They had the building was full every night. We start going, we don't make the playoffs again this year, and we keep trending in that direction. Seats are going to start being empty. Right. Well, More, that's what it's, I and, and that's what's going to cost him his job because yeah, ultimately uh, 10 to 15,000 people in the building a night. It's, it's going to be the Bill Wirtz era again. 10 yeah, to 15,000. That, that awesome Pat Foley quote, you can shoot a cannon in the United Center and not hit anybody when he was talking about those very lean late 90s, early 2000s years. I were, used to go I, with my high school ID and get tickets for $15 in the 300 level. And then so awesome. Though. Then sneak down I, a girl or a girl I dated in high school had friends who were ushers at the United Center. We got we sat in the hundred level, just above the glass, to see because nobody was there. Yeah, like there were. I could have picked any row in the, and I felt guilty about it. Right. I mean, I I guess like I don't. I realize I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth tonight. I mean, I, you know, I I went on a Stan's Greatest Hits tour earlier, and now we're talking about you know now now we're bashing him, but. You know, for the record, I'm not a big Stan Bowman fan. You know, I brought up those those extra hits more as asterisks, but I guess it's just where's the accountability? Right. That's all it is. It's just like you know, who's it, accountable? I think I think we have to Andy, you, you say something really important, and I think we have to keep it in perspective. We are having this ringcast tonight on a night when Stan Bowman's made probably a decent trade. And so we we got we have to give him credit for that. And it, it does seem a little odd that we're talking about you know, his job security um, after that. But it, it's the things he says, and Andy, you said, to use a perfect term, the superlatives he applies um, that just seem, because here's, I can hear people out there going, you know, Jacob, what do you want him to say? Well, here's what I want him to say. Borkstrom is a guy that we've had our eye on for a while. He's shown a lot of potential at the lower levels. We think he can still develop. And, and we're, we're excited to see where that might go. That's all you have to say. It's, yeah. it's the building up of these guys larger than life and creating these expectations that I feel like at some point, that's going to, all those, those bills are going to come due for Stan at some point, especially if things start to go the other way the next couple of years, which I, I, I think is still quite possible. There's some positives coming out of this year. Lankanen is, is the big one for me. 
Um, you know, some of the younger guys like Suter, for example, sure. But man, I don't think Jonathan Taves is coming back guys. I, I, I just don't. Um, no. I no. think it, the, the, the jury's still out on how good Kirby doc will become DeBrinket could, could take a step back next year. Just, just like he took a step up this year, Patrick Kane's getting older, Duncan Keith's getting older. So the point is, I just think, you know, I think, I just think that Bowman is making a mistake by doing this. And I think he's actually kind of sabotaging the players. I mean, people might've given Dylan Secura a little bit more time if, if they hadn't been led to believe he was going to be so great right out of the box, Yeah, you know, and you know, mistake finally on, on you know on this um with regard to you know the empty seats and you know what i lost my train of thought so i'm gonna stop on that um and we're getting close to the to the nine o'clock hour here um guys do you have anything else you want to add on this before we we shut it down no. Borgstrom's nickname in college was the artist yeah the artist. that's key i love that um, enter the artist we'll see yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how how artful he is in Chicago. Yeah, and you know how we're always talking about always talking about our favorites. Oh, but, stop. Yeah, Josiah Slavin already has four points in his first three games. Nice, uh, you know, which is nice, uh, courtesy of the new and improved Steve Maltese, also known as Brandon Peary. Right. Um, <laughs> Steve Maltese two point yeah, Maltese two point uh, which is cool. Um, but the other thing, and I don't know, I, at some point down the road, I'd, I'd love to, uh, on a podcast or, or this, this group, just talk about just in general, as far as the Blackhawks, uh, the core and some of the members and this very quick and abrupt uh, demise um, with regards to health yeah. and, and the price of winning almost. Yep. And and so, you know, we've, we've touched base on this briefly, but yep. You know, all those times that those guys played through things that I don't, and we don't know what they were playing through. We don't know what they were told to play through. We don't know what they voluntarily signed waivers for to play through. But, you know, we've got this glory years that, that don't seem so far away. And then in one season, you know, we're talking about the end of the careers in the last few months of Corey Crawford, Brent Seabrook, and then quite possibly Shaw and Jonathan Taves. And it just makes you wonder, like, what did these guys go through, um, you know, on the ice? And um, it's just an interesting I, – I wonder if, if – I don't know, years down the road if we're going to find out more about that. But it, it just begs the question, like, that that price of winning. And, you know, I guess from the fan side, we should be thankful that they went through all that stuff to give us that glory that we also desperately wanted at the time. But, but it, it's it's tough to see it, you know, to see these things happen. You know, I it doesn't hit the right chord when you're like, oh, all of these guys? It's just, uh, I don't know. You know, it's a lot of hockey. You know, those right. guys played 2013. They went, they went to the, you know, they were in the playoffs in 2010. They went all the way to the cup. That's a lot of grueling physical hockey. 20, and they put a lot of them played the Olympics in 2010. Yep. 2011, yep. first round, seven games. 2012, first round, I believe it was six games. 2013, cup. 2014, Western Conference Finals, game seven. Yep. Brutal brutal run of playoffs and and the 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 final the western conference final against la brutal series super physical yeah. they got really beat up i was told at that time that hosa helmerson and taves were all playing with injuries that in the regular season they never would have played with yeah 2015 another cup and yeah. i think after 2015 i just think some of those bills started coming due oh yeah the back injury and yeah. keep the knee injury 
and Seabrook just quote unquote fell off a cliff. And, you know, it, I just think, I think that all those bills really started to come due. And I do think Andy, we should, you know, have a segment on that soon because we could talk about that. Cause I think it would be instructive for a lot of fans to understand right. how brutally physical NHL hockey is. And especially if you play, if you want to be a good team. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that, well, they, and they sacrifice. I mean, think when you think about that 2015 team, they ran 4D through the playoffs. Right. Yep. Four, uh, yep. After and Michael Rosenwald. Remember Ryan, you remember Ryan Kessler? I remember him publicly being yeah. like, they're not worth, they're not going to beat us. There's no way they can continue. No. His quote was, no right? humans can physically sustain the amount of hits we're giving them. Something right. that, that and accord. Then, and Jalmerson, Jalmerson, Oduya, and Seabrook. That was the pinnacle. That was it. That was yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, after that, I, they have not been the same hockey players since that. No. no. And, and John, you forgot most of that team went to the Western Conference Finals in 2009. Also, didn't right. some of them play in the World Cup of Hockey? Yep. In between that, I think the World Cup of Hockey was before yep. one year. And then the um, the lockout shortened year of 2013 with Hell, those. Gave him a minor breather. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because yeah, Marion Ho- Hosa had, was recovering from shoulder right. surgery. And after um, Rafi Torres nearly ended his life. Yeah. Against um, yeah. Arizona, Phoenix. It, so, and hey, also, I think we there's an appreciation for guy for longevity. I think when you see that all these guys like longevity in the NHL, how guys some guys just play forever. Like Patrick, like Duncan Keith may play until he's forty, like you said, John, and he's he was a part of all those. So it, it, there's it's sad, and we we have to appreciate what those guys go through. But then we also have to look at the guys who've sustained and still are playing after that too, I think a little bit. Right. Yep. All right. This is good stuff. This is a great, great conversation tonight. And uh, we will revisit this topic soon. Um, I'm working um, on getting a, a friend of mine who's a goalie coach um, with the Columbus Blue Jackets to come on the show and talk to us about. Um, I've also had the uh, unique opportunity to have him work with both of my sons. And, uh, nice. and uh, I want to just really delve into, I mean, um, you know, the rink is all about hockey and going deep on hockey. And, and uh, we uh, we like to do that when we can and talk about the youth hockey experience and what it means to kids, um, especially when you consider that it just only a teeny tiny percentage of these kids are ever going to play in the NHL. Um, and, uh, you know, but but it is a really great experience for all for many of the kids and, you know, even even those who never go beyond playing in house leagues. So we're hoping to hoping to get him on and uh, we will revisit this topic and uh, more things to come. Andy Campbell at Andy Campbell 16 on the Twitter, correct? That's it. That's the one at D's D I E S A L three, four, two, six. That's me. I like it. Cause I, I wasn't at uh, three, four, two, six on the Twitter. I am at Jekyll, J-A-E-C-K-E-L. Um, follow our rank accounts. They're all over the place. If uh, you follow Hawk Twitter, you certainly see we have a very uh, ubiquitous Twitter presence for all of our various rank Twitter entities. Um, thank our, our founding sponsor, PuckHockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use the 10% T-H-E-R-I-N-K discount code. Buy some, buy some gear. Good stuff. Um, Thanks to all of you for joining us tonight. Thanks to Andy Campbell. Thanks to Sean Fitzgerald. Um, and we will see you next time on The Rink. Have a good night. <laughs>